All right, folks, we are here for another Splash Play Friday edition. I miss you, Spags, throughout the week. I get to see some of your takes trickling through in the Discord, but today we're going to fire up some true hot takes for week three. Yeah, it's week three, so Pete and I are going to bring the big guns here because we got to get back on track after a good week for Pete in week two, a bad week for me, so we're going to talk about it all. We're also going to painfully write a letter to Arthur Smith of the Falcons, a lot of people there at Cajun Grandmas in the world to try to get him to do the right thing, so we'll do it in our way and try to reach out to him to reach that, really that human connection we're looking for here, and then game by game, ride or die picks today for week three. Pete's been getting crushed. Will he get crushed today? We'll find out right after this intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing? How's life treating you? Uh, doing good. You know, still flying by the seat of my pants. I've been, I've, I've oddly enjoyed watching uh, Thursday night football this year. I think last year when I would write the newsletter, I would just I would just always write it in the mornings, no matter what. And now I'm drinking some wine, watching the game firing off some hot take shit posting on Twitter, writing the newsletter late at night. And uh, I, I've kind of started to look forward to the Island games in a way I used to not look forward to them. It does help that they made some better games this year. Even that one yesterday, it wasn't the, the best one overall. And as we were talking about on the, the solo stream that I'm doing on Thursdays, a lot of the bets out there, the most probable bets were reflecting that it was going to be a game where the Steelers were trailing the entire time throughout uh, the Browns in control throughout. That's what ended up happening. So um, hopefully people got some nice showdown builds out there. Are you are you dabbling in the showdown world? Because I feel like you've historically uh, not been crazy about Thursday night football showdowns. Yeah, I'm all I'm all over the place this year. Last year I would do a ton of the 20 max stuff. That was my preferred. I haven't had quite the time, so I've been doing more like single entry like I'll play the red zone or the spy for those. Although yesterday I got distracted because Underdog had this contest up that was Thursday night football, Sunday night football. So you had all the players from last night and then the Broncos and Niners and it was just like a two game contest, just similar format to their Battle Royales and they were one it overlaid. I think it only got to someone can let me know in the chat. I think it only got to like 70%, 75% full. And there was a huge inefficiency in it. For some reason, the way the ADPs were like the quarterbacks didn't have an ADP. So they were buried in the app. And my thought was Jimmy Garoppolo and Russell Wilson should be valued pretty high relative to Brissett and Trubisky heading into this game. And they were available late in drafts. And so I basically got addicted to just onslaughting the Broncos Niners game. And that ultimately probably won't work out for first place because there were a couple big scores. But the long story was I got distracted with that and blasted off like 20 entries into it. And so then I didn't do as much showdown. Well, it's funny because like I was doing the show yesterday and was walking people through Pete uh, through my Excel spreadsheet, which Pete has seen before. And it is a beautiful mind thing. If you want to go look through uh, what I've been putting together, it was talking about on the stream, like the, you know, man versus zone defense and how, you know, pulling info from sports info solutions. Like it's one of those things where sometimes you end up getting roped into plays that aren't that good. Yesterday for me, that was Zach Gentry, who I touted on this show as being a guy that would be a good sleeper pick. You got running like 15 snaps a game who could be, you know, a guy that beats the zone. And it ended up being that Zach Gentry actually ended up making me profitable on the day just because I got of different constructions that had Amari Cooper at captain that had, you know, the requisite Browns players you needed. So it's one of those things, Pete, where I feel like with showdowns that people sometimes miss that like you could actually play a bad play fundamentally. It's still not profiting on the day just because of the fact that it got you into a different construction. 
And it, that depends on, you know, the size contest, right? Like sure. you can make a mistake in a, what, sub 1000 field contest. But if you're playing the millionaire lotto, like you do have to just fully hit the nuts. Oh, yeah. I wasn't winning it to be clear, but I was happy to be green at this point because you got to take the small victories where you can get them. By the way, shout out to the chat as well. We got Ricky in the chat. Buenos dias. Uh, Lunchables kind of sort of saying drunk morning stream. Pete, are you drunk or am I, <laughs> am I, I drunk? I was a little tipsy last night, but I think I have, uh, I was just at an ultrasound appointment and I think Lauren would have called me out on being drunk. So I think I'm sober right now. That's a, that's a real vibe wandering into your ultrasound appointment with whiskey <laughs> on the breath. It's yeah. like classic Don Draper shit. Thank God for the masks, right? We're still rocking the masks <laughs> in the hospital. All right, so we got some news to hit on here, but guys, make sure you, of course, subscribe to this channel, the Splash Play channel now. The only place you will find the shows that Pete and I are doing as well as Monday and Thursday solo streams from me where I'm breaking down the both doing the lineup review stuff, doing the showdowns, uh, optimizing on here. So doing the best I can to give you guys some quality content. Uh, so make sure to go subscribe and hit the like button on this video as well. And Pete, uh, I don't know if you saw our boy Willis is back from the cruise. So I did mention in the intro, Ryder dies right now. I hit three 10-pointers last week. What were they? I need to, I need to recap on these because I don't, I mean, as much as I like to trust Willis, I don't trust you. <laughs> so Brashad Perriman outscoring Mike Evans was a 10-pointer for me. Uh, Devontae Parker scoring zero points, which, boy, he is fucking washed upon. Wow, washed. I can't believe I let you do that one. And then Cortland Sutton, 2x Jerry Judy points, Pete. So I benefited from a suspension. I benefited from an injury. And I benefited God. from uh, Devontae Parker being completely washed up. Wow. You, I mean, you ran so pure on that Jerry Judy injury at the start. God damn it. Yeah, you got the one, uh, you got the showdown captain right with Aaron Jones for Sunday Night Football, so that was your 10-pointer for the week. God bless the Sims. Run the Sims never lets us down. All right, let's talk about some news because there are some important news items that we'll do some of our bits here. Of course, we're going to write that letter to Arthur Smith. We're going to do ride or die picks, but some news items that are important, and Pete will have some more as well from the Fantasy Life newsletter. Keenan Allen, though, limited in practice in his return from a hamstring issue. Before they play Jacksonville, Justin Herbert also limited while uh, he's dealing with his rib cartilage damage, which was one of these injuries that's just hard to kind of unpack as to how it's going to affect him. Didn't look great on the home stretch after he hurt it last game. Pete, this spot for Keenan Allen being back, potentially uh, a guy that you know certainly could take meaningful targets away from Mike Williams after he has his big box score day. I think it's one of the most important injuries on the slate overall, just because if he's back out there, I feel like it could be a spot where you want to play Keenan Allen. If he's not out there, Mike Williams gains an appeal. Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett gains an appeal. So uh, how are you approaching this one right now? Yeah, I mean, one thing we, you know, we talk about DFS being so efficient and there's very little of uh, an information edge anymore. Everyone's out leveling each other. I do really think one of the final edges is just being willing to play guys coming back from injury. And there's something that happens. We saw it last week with DeAndre Swift and Leonard Fournette, who both missed some practices, were both questionable. They come in with pretty low ownership. People just don't like playing guys coming off a Q tag. T. Higgins was similar. Didn't practice earlier in the week with the concussion, missed thing with a family issue, and then pops up at like 3% ownership. So I my first pass looking at this slate, I thought Herbert looks good. I thought Keenan Allen, if he comes back, looks good just because people have in their head, oh, these guys are injured. So I think this might be a spot to really heavily target this week because you're just going to get depressed ownership on these guys. Yeah, we've seen Jacksonville certainly able to keep up in a lot of situations with Christian Kirk in particular. I uh, really rise into the occasion of his contract so far. Um, also, I just got a point of this chat from Tom. Spags out here black swanning hard. I presume he means the uh, conflation of things coming together for my ride or die picks and not the fact that I've been scissoring Mila Kunis on the side, Pete, though. Maybe I have and I'm just not aware. It'd be pretty nice for me. Or maybe it's a Taleb reference to kind of your anti-fragile approach to DFS. Who knows? 
That's true. There's a lot of ways to tie a black swan back to DFS. The Bucks are going to be without the suspended Mike Evans, injured Chris Godwin, Julio Jones injured despite again, not getting hurt on the field is what the thesis of not drafting Julio Jones was in best ball. Uh, Pete, cover your ears. But they are playing or not playing this week at home versus Green Bay. Tampa Bay reeling across the board. They still keep winning, Pete, but I have deep concerns about Tampa Bay. We've talked about uh, the pass rate above expectation. No, you've been beating that drum a little bit. Uh, Hayden Winks over at Underdog is playing that out a lot on Twitter. And it, the Bucks aren't throwing like they did last year. They now have less weapons. I really still worry the bottom's going to fall out of Tampa Bay, but you made some money off of Rashad Perriman last week, and I made some ride-or-die theoretical money off of him. So are you want to go back to a Bucks stack without the stars? Yeah, I mean, it's just so tough. You know, it's one thing when it's a good game environment and you're like, holy cow, Scotty Miller, Rashad Perriman's 3,200, and you think there's going to be some level of, you know, success from the offense. This seems like a place where both these offenses are going to want to play slow. Both of them are kind of hiding the fact that they have really weak wide receiver rooms. So, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about them when we get to the rider dies. I think some of them will be a little interesting for punt plays, but this does feel like a Leonard Fournette, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones game. It feels very unlikely to sail well over the total, and it seems like Brady and the Bucks are just kind of holding on for dear life until they get Evans back next week. They have that big game against the Chiefs. I believe it's Sunday night football next week. So I think they're going to be, you know, circling that one on the calendar to kind of get back to their old ways. And this is going to be, let's just get out of this game as quickly as possible. Yeah, and with these guys playing Leonard Fournette, they've been trying to give him the ball 49% of the time when he's on the field playing a snap. So without those guys out there to actually, you know, meaningfully uh, cause the defense to pay attention to him, Fournette probably going to get fed a lot, as Pete's talking about. So I think Fournette, a chalky play this week, but one that probably does look pretty good. Alvin Kamara back practicing after some rib issues on track to play at Carolina. Uh, another team, Pete, that's meaningfully different this year with uh, the Saints, a lot of deep balls being thrown by Jameis, which might not be the best thing for Kamara. Probably a positive sign overall that he's back out there. Are you playing Kamara this week? Uh, man, he's such a tough click for me. I'll be interested to see where his ownership settles. You know, it might be one of those plays where you just have to plug your nose because no one wants to uh, to play him. I think the real question is like, you know, with Aaron Jones, he comes off of a dud week, but no one really questioned his upside heading in there. Like everything's still, the thesis of the Aaron Jones play was intact. I don't know if, I feel the same way about Kamara. Like I have legit questions if he even has access to that monster ceiling anymore. Uh, I mean, how, how do you feel about it? Do you think he still can put up a 30 burger or are those days just behind him? I think it's certainly possible. I think it's hard to get a read on what this offense is doing because, you know, I was talking about it yesterday, but I feel like with Jameis Winston last year, Sean Payton was just trying to make him not do the things that he did both well in Tampa Bay, but also poorly in Tampa Bay, which is just airing the ball out, taking reckless kind of throws. But this offense this year is not doing those same things where they're not giving checkdowns to Kamara. Obviously, we've only seen Kamara play one game, but the offense just seems like it's flowing differently and like too much Taysom Hill. So I think Kamara is like an interesting tournament play, but he's the kind of guy that I just never get a lot of. And if he's not popping up on like Stochastic's project, I might not get a single share and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think, and I mean, just looking at ownership, I'm seeing like ETR has them at 2.2%. I mean, in the fact that you are going to have Swift and obviously we said, uh, you know, Montgomery is going to be super popular, um, $1,100 cheaper than him. So yeah, I, I think he is going to go overlooked uh, just based on his pricing and how, you know, poor he's been so far. 
George Kittle back in practice at a uh, San Francisco Sunday night football game at Denver. That's a positive one for him. Uh, probably not much to say about that one besides it's another guy to play perhaps in that showdown slate. Hunter Renfro out of practice due to a concussion before they play at Tennessee. This is one, Pete, that I think is really important because Devontae Adams burned me so bad last week. And I know he was popping up according to projections everywhere. I talked on Monday's show about how I just couldn't get away from Adams because he was literally popping up for my FanDuel and my DraftKings crunches like 80 to 90% of the time. And normally that means like a guy's a good play. You know, certainly the ownership ended up being a little bit higher. But I think this week, Pete, like it's a redemption game for him, potentially a spot where we always going back to the guy who burned a lot of the field the week the previous week, I think is a positive. I think Diggs is going to stand out a lot of people after that big Monday night football game. So I think this is a really good sign for Adams, even though you want to see Renfro out there. But do you have any thoughts about the Raiders going into a spot at Tennessee where they're probably a, a team that's also not that good? Yeah, I don't have any concerns about Adams. We were on ship chasing the other night. And we had pulled up the chart from Sam Hoppin looking at the offenses who had the most condensed target trees across their top three pass catchers. And the Raiders right up there at the very top with Adams, Waller, and Renfro just dominating the targets there. So I don't really have concerns about the down game for Devontae. And I agree with you. I think uh, Diggs is going to pop as a big value and catch a lot of ownership. And then if people are paying up, I do think they're going to feel very cozy with Cooper Cup there at 9,900. I could see his ownership even getting more outlandish if we get a value play that really opens up this week that allows you to get up to 9,900. Right now, he's a little hard to get up to. So I do think Devontae Adams in that 8,400 range will go overlooked because of his price and coming off of that down game. And people will just be like, why would I play Devontae Adams for 8,400 when I could play Amon Ra for 7,200 who has the similar target share and is $1,200 cheaper? I, I am team fade Amon Ra this week, but we'll see what the ownership's looking like. And the last news item I have, Pete might have some more to add to the fray before we get to our Arthur Smith letter, but Alec Pierce practicing in full after his concussion. Michael Pittman's status still up in the air with his quad injury, and they're going to need really probably both these guys to have a shot to stay in this game versus Kansas City, Pete. But I feel like this game is uh, its interesting because Matt Ryan looked so washed last week that if you get Pittman out there or even if you don't get him, like I think trying to go to Ryan a little bit in a game where he's pretty much going to have to throw, I think has some appeal to me, but how are you feeling about the Colts in this spot where, again, a lot of people probably burned last week in a game that looked like it might be a shootout versus Jacksonville. But I think they still have some upside potentially just because they're going to have to throw a lot. Yeah. I mean, to me, this offense is just I, I wish we could get excited about a punt play, but it does really feel like JT Pittman or bust. Uh, I don't really know how anyone else is emerging here. I think the tricky thing for DFS is the Chiefs have shown that they aren't a team that necessarily has to be pushed. Like the Colts could put up 10 here and Andy Reid might still be like, we'll just hang 40 on you. And so I do wonder, is this a spot where you don't have to force a bring back if you don't like how Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are fitting into your lineup from like a price ownership perspective? That said, JT at 9K coming off the dud game, I'm seeing sub 5% ownership. He's probably going to be a pretty nice contrarian play. And I was even looking at, I picked off one of, the underdog lines, they had the higher lower for him, total rushing and receiving set at 91 and a half. I'm not sure if that moved. He obviously didn't clear it last week, but he cleared it in week one. And I think he had cleared it every single game dating back to October last year. Like it's just a number he sails over basically every time, but because of this recent performance, and I got to shout out uh, Zandemir over at one week season for flagging that one in the discord, but yeah, all of that, I, it seems like sentiments very low on this team and rightfully slow. So, but man, JT looks like a smash here, just as I kind of talk through it.
The Chiefs also one of the highest probability bets on the week to win outright, 67% probability. And of course, uh, we talked a lot about it yesterday, but go to probablyapp.com to see what I've been working on. Join the waitlist on there where we're really ranking all the highest probability and lowest probability bets. Um, I think it actually was pretty helpful for me with Showdown yesterday, so please go sign up on the waitlist, probablyapp, P-R-O-B-L-Y app.com. Any injuries for you, Pete, that seem important to hit on that we did not touch on there? No, I always, I'm always a little uh, hesitant to overreact to stuff until we get the Friday injury reports. I mean, even yesterday, you know, we had the CMC scare that he comes out and says, everybody relax. The media would write about me going to the bathroom, which is literally what happened when AJ Brown went to the bathroom on Monday night football. But because the bathroom was the medical tent, we all lost our minds. So uh, nothing I'm panicking on right now, but we'll see what happens with inactives. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving a little candle on for Julio playing. You know, his practice reports are always kind of all over the place. I think there's a small chance he could play Sunday. I didn't realize that Julio was getting like really meaningful air yards in week one. And I know people I'm back on the air yards train after being out on it last year, I'm back in and I think GA was in the chat yesterday talking about the prayer yards thing. And, and like, I, I love air yards when I get them lined up, right. They look good, but Julio getting deep shots, like was something that I just wouldn't expect, like with him, with where he is age wise. So if he does play, I think he's worth having a share. If he doesn't play though, like it's probably just check down city to gauge and then maybe a luck box CD to Perriman again. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, this is why I'm not panicking on the Bucks because, I mean, when they get Godwin, Evans, and Julio back out there all together healthy, I mean, they're going to be a force, and they're going to start. I think they ramp up their pass rate over expectation. They play faster. I think they'll still be fun, but it is frustrating right now in the interim. All right, so we are on this show, of course. We try to be the everyman of, of Fantasy Pete. I think that's a fair way to look at us, uh, talking about our process, talking about our successes, talking about our failures on this show. But Pete, I think we have to now really take an advocacy role in the fantasy football community because things have gotten out of hand with the Falcons in particular. And this tweet I saw, of course, the Fantasy Life newsletter, which I am checking religiously every day. Pete doing a great job with the team over there. But this tweet here, grandma stays in the cage until <laughs> Kyle Pitts gets a touchdown. I don't know if this is an actual grandma. I don't know if this is a Google image search from purple gumbo here but people are really apoplectic about pits and i do think it's one of those things we have to talk about even independent of writing this letter to arthur smith because like people don't get kyle pitts like people don't get that tight ends sometimes are, are volatile and you shouldn't be caging your grandma really is the main takeaway I want to say, like, I I am not the one that, ch you know how we have this meta on Twitter where you take a viral video or a viral photo and then you just put a fantasy football caption on it, basically, and everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe we just mapped fantasy football onto this funny thing. I am very jaded in that regard. This one legit made me laugh. I do not know why I read this one and I legit laughed uh, through the fall to Kyle Pitts, otherwise Granny stays in the cage. I don't know. This one got me, and uh, yeah, we're all very frustrated. Um, but I don't, nothing has really changed for me on Kyle Pitts, right? Like the tight end position is so bad. I mean, the only thing that would change for me is like, if we redrafted, I would probably push him down uh, a little bit and push Waller and Kittle up a smidge to where they were all maybe in a similar tier. That's about the only thing different I would do right now. And obviously Andrew's would be in a clear, clear tier ahead of him. But like, th that's minutia relative to like the draft landscape. It's not like we're fucking drafting Gerald Everett over Kyle Pitts. I mean, he still represents one of the highest ceilings. So it's frustrating, but I don't, I don't really think much has changed.
Yeah, I would say, you know, like the the grandma in a cage and and I feel like overall like I, I wanna I really wanna comment more about this. I'm gonna try not to. It's early on a Friday to be weird about a grandma in a cage. But still, like I think people just don't get that, like, you know, they're bad matchups. This is something that I pointed out, you know, football outsiders DVOA. We talk about, of course, I would really recommend going to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. In particular, a uh, Derek Classen's all 32 column, I think, is something that people in this show and in this chat would really want to read. Uh, it's a game by game film break uh, breakdown, basically highlighting the key things in each game, which I think gives you a little bit of an edge for fantasy and betting and Derek's really sharp about this stuff but like DVOA like you know going against the two last matches for the Falcons like those were tough ones on paper like for tight ends you know going against the Saints going against the Rams like two teams that cover tight ends well and he's going to get a good matchup eventually and I actually think this week according to DVOA he's facing the 26th ranked defense in terms of defending tight ends in Seattle a game that should be close to think of the most probable bets for that one are all Seattle covering by three or Atlanta covering by three so this is like the week Pete where I feel like if Pitts is going to go off or at least be usable like it's probably this one but it's overall it's just like this happens for any pass catcher like they have down weeks they have up weeks and i think people for some reason have this mental block where they expect pits to be like travis kelsey and come out every week and have this upside and this floor and that's just like not how fantasy football works yeah and it's interesting from a dfs perspective this week because looking at early ownership on the three most expensive tight ends which is of course you know kelsey andrews waller and pitts none of them are projecting for more than seven percent ownership right now i mean i think with the price and the way these slate dynamics are right now where people don't have the salary to get up to them it seems like everyone's going to be living in that you know 33 to 4500 range you have Irv smith higby people want to buy the dip on hawkinson Ertz coming off of a good game this is that's why I struggle with the pits play this week because God knows I want to martingale the hell out of it. But if people also aren't going to play Darren Waller at 5,800, he's projecting for less than one percent ownership. I'm like, man, I almost would rather just play Andrews, you know, at 6,900 or Waller at 58. So I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle with this, but I probably will have pits in one of my few lineups. That's for sure. Yeah, I just wouldn't write them off like I've seen some people on Twitter do. And, I, you know, like I'm all about people trying to create content on you know, for fantasy and like, you know, but do it in a smart way. And I think if you are one of those people who goes on Twitter and is like, Kyle Pitts is done. He's a bad player. Everybody roped us into it. Like, that's the kind of thing that I think people make the most mistakes on. So play Kyle Pitts still. Um, but, you know, maybe not as much in DFS as you would otherwise. But Pete, you can see I put on the screen, I put a little placeholder here to do our letter to Arthur Smith. And I do yeah. want to point out Arthur Smith did play Tyler Algier last week. I had him on the field for 19 snaps. He actually got, uh, touches on 10 of those 19 snaps so that was encouraging to me as a longtime Tyler Algier fan but people out there don't like Arthur Smith a lot they're mad at him about Kyle Pitts they're mad at him about Algier uh, they're mad at him about Patterson also being down last week so how should we write this letter to Arthur Smith who you know a rich boy so I feel like we got to be careful and call him dearest Arthur to start it yeah no I do like that that start real quick too I want to say I don't I haven't been in Microsoft Word for a long time I primarily primarily use Google Docs I like how this looks like a 1986 edition on an old Macintosh. Like this has such a throwback vibe here. What is this? This is the Office 365 one because this is the one that I have from my my work account. So like it's it's the most updated word. And I guess they went, yeah, they probably went a little retro with it. Even the graphics are kind of retro. Yeah. Um, so I think right out the top, we need to say, yes, we are fantasy footballers, but we come in peace because we already know that Arthur is on high alert. He's sick of the fantasy football bros telling him he needs to feed Kyle Pitts. So if he sees this letter and sees an aggro tone, I think he might just crinkle it up and throw it away. So don't you think we come in peace right off the top? So should we like compliment sandwich him then where we say something nice up top, like congratulations on your efforts thus far as Falcons coach? 
Um, yeah, let's see. I'm trying to think of something. Um, congratulations thus far on featuring Drake London, a promising rookie you took in the first round and are now enjoying the fruits of that selection. Uh, it sounds kind of sensual when you put it like that. <laughs> well, you never know which direction this is going to go. And then this is okay. where, I think this is where we hit him with the bait and switch, where we say, you also last year famously took another highly regarded prospect in the first round. Another highly regarded prospect in the first round. Oh, not not prop sec. He would be he would instantly throw this letter out if I had a single title yes. on it. Okay. And now I haven't now this is this is where we start to really rug him. And so I'm gonna need you to go get a photo of Kyle Pitts that we're gonna need to embed in this letter and say it's but we're gonna tee it up with this text. So we're gonna say, you might have forgotten what he looks like. So here's a reminder, colon image of a headshot of Kyle Pitts. May have forgotten what he looks like, but here's—I don't know. If this is the most flattering photo of him, to be honest. But uh, a reminder. So we're basically sending him a milk carton photo of Kyle Pitts, though. Kyle Pitts looks incredibly angry. <laughs> Can we photo. get more of a headshot? I think maybe he, this is almost like camouflage. He's you know blending in, you know the red in the background. Okay. I just think we need. I, I need something front and center so Arthur really knows who we're talking. There we go. That's the one we needed. So this is the smiley one, him looking bright-eyed, optimistic, <laughs> perhaps not mad at his lot in life. That seems like a reasonable take. Yeah, so then underneath it, I think you say, that's Kyle Pitts. One Does of he the have greatest. a nickname? Like Kyle, <sighs> Kyle Pitts? <laughs> Let me, should I see if he has a middle name? Yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be nice. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Anthony Pitts. That's Kyle Anthony Pitts. Uh, big the Tony. greatest Welcome to the tight family. end prospect of our generation. Greatest. Okay. I think we should also mention now at this point that Arthur Smith, a known tight end lover historically, I believe he himself was a tight end, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Um, who just so happens to only have four catches through two games. Okay. Um, now, now I think we need, I I've been driving the ship here. Spags. What do you think this letter, because our end goal here, our action item is to get Arthur Smith to scheme some targets for Kyle Pitts. And I just want to make sure we're accomplishing this goal. So I think this is where we say we know through your time leading the let's say leading the Titans offense because I think it'll appealing to his ego here to say that he gets leading all the, the Titans to glory, leading the yeah, Titans okay. to glory. So we recognize what a legend he is. That you fancy a good tight end. Going to get a little sensual here again, but he fancies a good tight end. Um, why? Why we, not Kyle? And, and maybe just say, let's even acknowledge that he has a lot going on. Let's say we know there are lots of distractions this time of year. Mm. Target has already rolled out their pumpkin displays, despite Halloween 
being a full five weeks out. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll shorten that one. Uh, is that, <laughs> do you think he's a beer guy? Do you think he's... I, I think, yeah. I think... And, um, lattes? <laughs> what, is, what is something um, local to Atlanta that he might get distracted with? Uh, magic wings. <laughs> Lemon I hear they have, don't they have good strip clubs in Atlanta? They do. They do indeed. Okay. Yes. We know there are know lots of distractions this time. Speed, Target, <laughs> Target already has their pumpkin displays out. The ladies at the strip clubs have their titties out, but we need you to keep your eyes on the prize. <laughs> That's really the concern here. But we need you <laughs> now it's getting a little unhinged with the caps lock. No, I, but that's fine. That's the energy we need to land this. And now space, all caps, and that prize is fucking Kyle Anthony Pitts. Actually, no, and that prize is Kyle fucking Pitts. A new <laughs> sentence. Keep the all caps. Throw him the fucking ball. Okay. I gotta be all caps. Throw him. I yeah. feel like this would be a letter better written by cutting out pieces of a newspaper. Yeah. I mean, I would ideally like you to go get uh, like a better homes and garden magazine and find individual letters cut out to piece this together in parentheses. Otherwise grandma stays in the cage. <laughs> Grand grandma. Grandma stays in the cage. Now embed the photo. From the tweet, sincerely, okay. the Splash Play Bros, Pete and Specs. Okay. Let me, oh, I lost the photo of that one now. Where'd that, oh no, I lost I can the get it in the news. It's in the newsletter. I know, well, now I gotta go back. All right, here we go. Now, now I'm, for some reason, Twitter's giving me CM Punk now on the screen. Oh, here we go. Grandma <laughs> stays in the cage. There we go. Okay. Um, or we make her go, honestly, we should make her go to the strip club. <laughs> Okay, let's let's not jump the shark too much. This letter, you know, is hang on, can I get one more? Can I get a space between the the throw him the fucking ball? Throw uh, okay. Yeah, after Kyle Pitts, enter. Throw, otherwise grandma stays in the cage. And then sincerely, your biggest fans, <laughs> Chris Baggs and Peter Overzet. I'm glad that I got the top billing for this one. <laughs> <laughs> your biggest fans. Spags, Spags, Pete Overzet, and Grandma. Pete, oh, Pete, oh, and Grandma. Yeah, Pete, oh, Pete and Grandma. Overzet and Grandma in a cage. <laughs> exactly. Okay, ship it, ship <laughs> it. I think Arthur. I think this letter will resonate with him. I think it will help him see this situation clearly. Do you want to read it from the top, just so we kind of have the full picture here? Okay, so I'll, I'll read it. Dearest Arthur, congratulations thus far on featuring Drake London, a promising rookie you took in the first round and are now enjoying the fruits of that selection. You also last year famously took another highly regarded prospect in the first round. You may have forgotten what he looks like, but here's a reminder. That's Kyle Anthony Pitts, the greatest tight end prospect of our generation, who just so happens to only have four catches through two games. We know you're through your time leading the Titans to glory that you fancy a good tight end. We know there are lots of distractions this time of year. Target already has their pumpkin displays out. Pumpkin spice lattes fill the air. The ladies at the strip club have their titties out. But we need you to keep your eyes on the prize. And that prize is Kyle fucking Pitts. Throw him the fucking ball. Otherwise, Grandma stays in the cage. Grandma in the cage. <laughs> Sincerely, your biggest fans, Chris Bags, Pete Overzet, and Grandma in a cage.
I think it's very apropos. That letter went from zero to 60 real quickly, and we need Kyle Pitts' usage to go from zero to 60 real quick. So, Arthur Smith, heed our call. Thank you for listening. I'm glad the chat is supporting this one. So hopefully now, now there's no reason where Kyle Pitts will fail this week. I think we've done what we can. And we'll make sure to put this out via courier, Peter, maybe a carrier pigeon of some sort. I don't know how we get it to Arthur Smith. I think it's going to be through Twitter. I think we're going to have to get this out on Twitter as Omar says in the chat and, uh, and just trust like anything, like writing a letter in a glass bottle and throwing it to see it will wash up on the shores of Atlanta and find it way into one of those musky strip clubs where Arthur Smith is hanging out. I don't know. You want to say they're musty. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's rude to the, the fine ladies of Atlanta and all the grandmas and cages out there, but we'll tweet it out. We'll see how it goes. Either way, guys, make sure you are of course, subscribed to the channel. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't uh, give the, the flashing neon lights here that I love so much. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. Comment if you're watching it after the fact. We appreciate everybody in the chat hanging out with us as well. Uh, but let's talk about ride or die picks. Pete, any overarching themes for you? I know you're doing a lot more uh, really heady kind of full slate content with uh, the JM to win one week season stuff. So any sort of overarching thoughts for you DFS wise before we go into the game by game uh yeah I mean we I do think like I keep mentioning I haven't seen a ton of value on this slate opening up and pricing feels really tight uh I also think you know with how much I feel like we get the seesaw effect in week one all of the chalk hit in week two everyone played the chalk and got burned I wonder if we see ownership being a little bit more spread out this week just without any insane values to kind of unlock those chalk pairings so uh you know like always I think it'll be a good tournament week um but it's definitely going to be one where we have more totals like we have like multiple games I think we can target here where last week it didn't feel like we had too many other, you know, full shootout games. So I do think we're going to be able to pick our spots and and really play ownership to our favor. Yeah, the ownership right now, top five owned players, according to Stochastics ownership projections. David Montgomery projected to be number one owned, just under 20%. Stefan Diggs, number two. Amon Ross St. Brown, number three. Leonard Fournette, number four. Josh Jacobs, number five. I guess his price tags come down enough and uh, 5,400 on DK. Um, any surprises for you there? Um... Montgomery no. being the, the number one is a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, they're so, I mean, I know they, they're they running the shit out of the ball. He's 5,900. He, he is a good points per dollar value. No one's going to disagree with that, especially against Houston, too. But uh, I also think there's just so many ways that offense fails. They don't run enough plays. Uh, so it, it will not shock anyone that the guy who full-faded David Montgomery in Best Ball Mania 3 isn't going to be eating the David Montgomery chalk this week. I'd rather eat the Leonard Fournette chalk, honestly, if I was gonna if I was gonna eat it. At some point, they have to throw too. Like, like I would think. I know they don't trust Justin Fields that much, but like his amount of dropbacks are so low. Like, and I think everybody's assuming that's gonna last forever. But like, I think if you go into that game last week and you would watch the film, I would probably go, yeah, we gotta let Justin Fields throw more than ten times in this game. And I think inherently that's gonna pull from Montgomery. But oh, let's see the ride or die picks go game by game here. So smash that like button, guys. Let's go. First game on the board: Vegas, twenty-four implied points. Tennessee, twenty-one point five implied points on their end. Uh, Pete, we talked about Hunter Renfro likely going to be out of this one due to a concussion. We'll see if he could somehow get up to speed here. But what do you want for your first ride or die pick with the Raiders and the Titans? Um, let's just come out swinging hard here. Um, I am going to, it's a bummer. We only do 10 pointers. Um, cause I, I feel like I would propose like a 50 pointer right now. Um, 
do how about see okay this i'll just talk you through what i wanted to do mm-hmm. i want to say mac collins outscores derrick henry but that is even that's more than a 10 pointer and so i need to get a little more juice there can you give me will you give me some points like mac collins scores within like five points of derrick henry so here's the issue right now. Projection-wise, Mac Collins a 7.5 fantasy point projection from Stochastic. And this is still assuming that with them uh, that Hunter Renfro is going to play. But if Hunter Renfro comes out, like you got to imagine that comes to like 9-ish, maybe 10. Um, and then Derrick Henry is at 17.8. So it's actually not that big of a discrepancy. Um, so I, I think it's a 10-pointer to say Mac Collins outscores Derrick Henry. But I don't think it's more than a 10-pointer with what we've seen so far. Give me, give me three points. Comes within three points of Derrick Henry, Mac Collins. Okay. I mean, the issue with Derrick Henry is like, it's very easy for him to get game scripted out, but you know, again, you, you need this, right? You need to get some 10 pointers. And so I'll give you the 10 pointer fees within three. No, I mean, we're, we're being generous. I gave you that Devonte Parker one. That one had just as likelihood of, of hitting as this one. Zero catches. I think nobody expected zero outright. <laughs> well, people who fucking full faded in best ball mania did. Um, all right, so Matt Collins within three points of Derrick Henry. That is a 10-pointer for Pete. Uh, I will say Devontae Adams, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Is that a 10-pointer? Uh, 100, 150 yards, two touchdowns. So then we're up to, what, 12, uh, 15. Uh, I mean, his ceiling projection is 31, I guess. with I mean, that would end up being – what you just said would probably be like a 40-point game, right? Yeah, give or take. So honestly, I could say Millie Maker, I guess, but I prefer to say because like without wide receivers have been, I don't know that that's enough to make the Millie Maker. Say <laughs> say over forty DK points, and I'll give you the ten pointer. How about over thirty eight? Over thirty nine deal. <laughs> okay, fine. Devontae Adams over thirty nine fantasy points. Ship it right now. Kansas City twenty eight implied points. The Colts twenty two point five implied points. Big underdog at home. Um, I will go first in this one. <sighs> Alec Pierce. 100 receiving yards is that a 10 pointer yeah i'd say that's a 10 pointer all right go let's go alec pierce i'll i'll match you thematically um rookies who we really want to see have their roles grow but probably won't happen give me sky Moore over 100 yards save save that uh on the other side you know what makes me not like sky Moore every time i see him out there the fact he's wearing a db number like he's not the 24 stuff yeah, just, he needs to be like a number two, like a number three. Like, then I would buy in 24, which doesn't do it for me at all. Yeah, I get Philadelphia, it. Philadelphia, 26.8 implied points. Washington, 20.3 implied points. Worth pointing out, according to our data, probably, again, go to probablyapp.com. Join the wait list on there. The highest probability bet this week is the, the Eagles winning outright, Pete. So does seem like a spot where everybody is following Jalen Hurts. Uh, but with that in mind, what do you want in this game between the Eagles and the Commanders? All right. I think this is an an, an explosion spot for the Eagles and an implosion spot for the Commanders. I think the Commanders kind of get exposed as a fraud team through two games. I'll say this for spicy 10-pointer. The Eagles' defense outscores Carson Wentz. Ooh, okay. All right, interesting. So Carson Wentz has been throwing a lot of deep balls, and I think that's something that goes under the radar for people. He just wasn't that guy last year. This year, though, he is doing it over five times per game. I will say Carson Wentz hits over two 50-yard passes in this game. Is that a 10-pointer? No. That's no? Not. That's, that's not likely. 250. He has really good deep threats. They're going to be down chucking. 50-yard 50 50 plays don't happen that frequently. <laughs> I'll give you 
150 and 160. <laughs> fine. For 10 points, fine. I don't think they win, <laughs> but I think Carson gives it the old college try. Yeah, 50 is just too attainable. I mean, when you got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, I mean, Curtis Samuel takes a screener, you know, 50 yards, then I'm screwed. I got to I gotta build in a 60 there. Oh, uh, you got to be defense scoring a DTD this week. Uh, I presume that means defensive touchdown, book it. Um, that's yeah, certainly not the craziest take to have in the world, but uh, also probably two decently owned defenses as well. Houston, 18.8 uh, implied points. Chicago, 21.3 implied points. Chalk David Montgomery in this one. Pete, what do you want? Um, how many points to say no one from this game is in the winning Millie Baker lineup? <laughs> a negative one. <laughs> um, let's get something fun here. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown, highest scoring player in the game, including the QBs, 10 points. Uh, okay. What if so? Khalil Herbert, uh, one of our, our beloved zero RB guys, not playing as much as I would have liked so far, uh, just under 13 snaps per game compared to 36 per game for David Montgomery. If Khalil Herbert were to outscore David Montgomery here, would that be a 10-pointer? Uh, yeah. Looking at the projection, it's in that kind of within 10 threshold that I think counts for, uh, for a 10-pointer. Oh, there we go. I will take it. New Orleans, 21.8 implied points. Carolina, 19.3 implied points at home in this battle of the NFC South. Um, I, Pete, I'm going to give you a really hot take here. Chris Olave, over 150 receiving yards and a touchdown. All right. Cashing in some of those prayer yards here. <laughs> a lot uh, of prayer yards going Olave's way. Eventually, it'll work out, I think. But that's that's a 10-pointer, right? Um, You said at 150 and a tutty? Yeah. Given his price yeah. tag, I think it has to be. Yeah, uh, no, I'll give you that because that would be definitely a 25-point or higher game. I see his ceiling projection at like 15 right now, so that checks out for me. Uh, let's do – how about this? Can I get 10 points if a non-Jameis Winston quarterback sees more than five snaps in this game? So you mean for the Saints, not not including Baker Mayfield on Carolina? I mean, for the Saints, and I will caveat, this doesn't mean, like, if Taysom Hill gets a handoff, that doesn't count. I mean, actually, under center playing quarterback. Okay. I mean, I, I think uh, that feels not crazy, I guess. I mean, does anybody in the chat know how many plays Taysom Hill's getting? Because I don't really know his uh, his dropbacks. Actually, I might I'll, I'll put my cards on the table here. I'm also, you know, Winston a little banged up. I'm I'm even looking more at the Andy Dalton angle here where if he doesn't hold up, Dalton comes in and plays a little. I'm I'm basically betting against Jameis Winston here with this bet. Okay. All right. I mean, I'll allow it. I think that's seems like a reasonable take to have. Um, yeah. All right. So let's keep it going. Baltimore, 23.5 implied points. Uh, we do also have New England getting 20.5 implied points. Uh, does Belichick have it anymore? Pete, you tell me in this game against Baltimore. This is um, I want to see. I, I do not believe in this Patriots offense uh, right now. I know uh, Jeff in the newsletter today uh, took. Uh, he likes the Patriots plus three, but I'm going to hang some dong here. Can I, how many points do the Ravens need to win by to give me 10 points? All right. So they're a three point favorite on the road. Um, I'd say eight. Okay. All right. I'll take, uh, I'll take Ravens by eight. Okay. Um, all right. For me, uh, 
Man, this is a, an interesting one. I do like these wide receiver bets overall, so I'm going to make one this week on Rashad Bateman. Devin Duvernay Hang looks on. like he'll be playing. You got to block. Uh, we got oh, the chat no. rats. Uh, classic chat 6-9. Here's how you know we made it, Pete. Once you get the porn bots coming in, that's when it's a sign you've been really crushing it as a YouTube channel. They were they were asleep when we were talking about the Atlanta strip clubs. They came in late. It's true. They really missed their opportunity to convert. Um, all right, so yeah, I will say Rashad Bateman so I don't know if you're going to be as generous with this one. Rashad Bateman, 150 receiving yards and a touchdown. 150 and a touchdown. Yeah, you need to push that up because now we're getting closer to his his ceiling projection. 152 St touchdowns. No, how I'll say this. Rashad Bateman over 30 DK points, and I'll give it to you. Okay. All right, yeah, because yeah, he would obviously have more than two catches, you would think. All right, that's fine. Over 30 DK points works for me. Next game up, we got Detroit, 23.5. John saying the porn bots heard you say dong. Honestly, it wouldn't be shocking if there is something like that where they do have like an algorithm because you could do the copyright strike thing, so maybe porn bots have that same technology. They are evolving. They're, they're sentient. When, when people talked about the singularity, what they really meant was the porn bots raiding our YouTube chats. Honestly, though, if they wanted to come in, the real time to come in, if you're going to make a targeted transaction of porn bottery, would be grandma in a cage. You come in with some grandma in a cage porn when we're showing a grandma in a cage. Like somebody who's watched that grandma and like, yup, that's <laughs> how have we not uploaded the bonk uh, clip into here. I did put that in the Google Drive for you, by the way. You did. I didn't put it in yet. Actually, I do have to add you to my team so you can do things on here. That might be something we need to do on Streamyard. Yeah, i know whatever. we're uh we had a we had a divorce and uh the stream yards got separated <laughs> i still am on your stream yard though pete i could pop oh, in any of your i need to go delete stream. you from my team my, my stream yard's incestuous i'm giving out that code right and left someday that's gonna that's gonna bite me one of you rogue agents gonna go live on my channel and start talk showing grandma porn and then i'm gonna really be in trouble <laughs> You just got to make sure everybody gets paid on time, as we've seen with <laughs> Football Outsiders once. Uh, Detroit, 23.5 implied points. Minnesota, 29 implied points in this game. One of the highest totaled games on the slate, Pete. What do you want in this one? And worth pointing out, Chalky Dalvin Cook in this one, Chalky Justin Jefferson, and also Chalky Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, uh, I do like this game, though. Um, let's say this is like it feels chalky, but, you know, based on his price tag, um, I think it might be hard. So I'll say Justin Jefferson in the winning Millie Maker lineup here. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Big price tag on this week over 9K on DraftKings. Um, okay. Is this a 10 pointer, Pete? If DJ Chark outscores Amon Ross St. Brown? Um, fuck. I, like old Pete would have been like, no, that's too close. But when Amon Ra rips off eight straight games with a 30 plus percent target share, I think I just have to, to give you that one. I think that's a sharp one though. Um, but projection wise, that's clearly a 10 pointer. At some point, you got to think a team's going to try to stop Amon Ra St. Brown, like, and realize like, oh, he's actually pretty good. We should like, you know, bracket him reduce. Like, I think when that happens, which could be this week, I do think DJ Chark is finally going to have a good game. The problem is, is we also, I said that all last year for Cooper Cup and then it just yeah. never happened. Uh, so at this point, I don't, I just don't know how, what's kind of surprising to me, what, what does a uh, stochastic have his ownership at? ETR has it at 16%. To me, it just feels like this is a guy that field's going to play in, in small field at like a 30, 35% clip. Yeah. Stochastic has it at 16.5 for Amon Ra, which would make him uh, higher on than anybody else in the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think in small field, single entry, three max stuff, you're going to see him 25 to 30%. 10% going to Hawkinson, according to Stochastic, which I uh, wonder, maybe Goff Stack is going to be on the menu? I, I do think, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I think GPP bros are going to really like the Goff doubles because both 
uh, Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson project really well from like a points per dollar standpoint. The question is, who are the GPP bros going to bring it back with? Are they going to have the stomach for Dalvin Cook as a bounce back? Justin Jefferson's the logical choice, but he's super pricey. Or the when I looked at my stuff, looking at the Sims ownership ceiling, Adam Thielen looks like a good play and it feels so yeah. gross. Uh, yeah, John is saying that in the chat. I've got a Thielen has to be the contrarian yep. play here. Boy, he is not getting targeted at all, though. Uh, just giving him the ball 8% of the time that he's on the floor or on the field, rather. Um, I'm not a big believer in Thielen at this point. Uh, yeah, next game, though, year, we got... I was just going to say there was a stat I saw yesterday where last year and the year before in 2020, he was getting targeted on 20% of his routes. Mm -hmm. And this year, he's down at 11%. So, like, just really his involvement cratering right now, uh, which is a concern, but. This might be a good spot to play him. Johnny Munt is actually getting targeted more when yeah. he's playing snaps than Adam Thielen is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cincinnati, 25.5 implied points going to the Jets. This is also one of the most probable uh, money line bets of the week. The Bengals winning outright. Jets, 19.5 implied points. Joe Flacco has been throwing the ball a lot. Feels like maybe he could have some upside here, but I'm intrigued by the double stacks, Pete, for Cincinnati. So I will say a Cincinnati double stack makes the Millie Maker winning lineup. Yeah, man, that's that was going to be something I was going to do. I love this game. Uh, I think I, I, I like so many pieces here. It does feel like the Bengals get right. Um, and Jamar Chase, 8,100 projecting for low ownership. I think more people will definitely play T Higgins. Let's see here. I will. Can I get 10 points if Garrett Wilson outscores both? Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I was going to ask how you're feeling about Garrett Wilson because you were beating that drum of him as hard as anybody in the industry and how he looked last week. I think that probably shouldn't be a 10 pointer, but projection wise, I will give it to you because it does look like he's projected for under 10 fantasy points right now. Yeah. And he's projected the gap between Chase is like nine and between Higgins is like seven, but to outscore both of them, I think pushes it to a 10 pointer, but that that's definitely been one of my biggest wins this season was just repeatedly hammering Garrett Wilson. I mean, him sitting around there in the 12th round just really never made any sense. Yeah, I know Pickens had the monster catch yesterday that Pete also broke down in the Fantasy Life newsletter. Uh, but I think, you know, to me, Garrett Wilson so far looks like the best rookie and uh, probably was somebody that I don't think should have fallen as much as he did in best ball. But we'll talk about that more as we go. Buffalo, 29 implied points. Miami, 23.5 implied points. Kind of a surprising line given uh, what we saw of Miami last week that the public didn't steam him up a little bit more. But Buffalo, Pete's been so good across the board. DVOA-wise, I think they're uh, like an 80% positive DVOA across the board with their defense and offense. So just throwing that out there, it does seem like Buffalo, according to the markets, is still heavily favored uh, to crush Miami. So what do you want in this game? I want, can I get 10 points for Gabe Davis outscoring Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Stefan Diggs? I was thinking that when you said Gabe Davis, I think, man, probably shouldn't be a 10-pointer, but he's coming off of an injury, and these guys are all coming off of absolute ceiling games, so I will give you the 10-pointer. The other, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm being fair here because Diggs is ceiling projection is 10, 11 points higher than Gabe, yeah. and then, so not only does he have to clear him, but both of the Miami wide receivers. I think it's a 10. What if Devin Singletary were to get 100 yards uh, and a touchdown, 100 cumulative yards and a touchdown? I was going to snap agree to 100 rushing yards and a touchdown, 100 cumulative yards and a touchdown. So that would put his PPR scoring, let's say he has four catches, so it put it around 200 or 20 points. Um, I see a ceiling right here as 17 points. So that that's a three-pointer to me. 
Okay. Um, but 100 rushing into TD would be a 10-pointer for you? I if, if Devin Singletary gets, I would happily take giving you 10 points for what that would do for a lot of my exposures that I won't talk <laughs> at about. S- at some point, he's going to have a good game given how many points Buffalo scores. So I will take that. 100 rushing yards and a TD for Devin Singletary and, and best ball portfolios can sing in response. Jacksonville, 20 implied points. Chargers, 27 implied points. As we talked about, Keenan Allen looks like he's trending towards getting back in. Uh, what do you want in this game, Pete? Um, let's see here. Neil, don't reveal my secrets in the chat. Um, Justin Herbert, man, I do really like this game. Like ownership across the board here is really, really low. You know what? I'll do the similar thing that you did for Jets and Bengals. And I'll say three players from this game end up in the winning Millie Maker lineup. Oh, okay, so all right, so basically saying a game stack. All right, that's that's fair, or at least a, a double stack with one of the QBs. Um, Christian Kirk outscores all Chargers skill position players. Is that a ten pointer? So Christian Kirk, twenty one ceiling. So Eckler, Mike Williams, and Keenan. To and me, Everett. the spirit of that is like it's like a seven pointer. But you were generous with a couple of mine, so I'll round up for you and give it to you. There we go. I will. I will take that. Christian Kirk really fucking really looking, making everybody look like an idiot for making fun of his contract. The Rams, twenty six implied points. Arizona, twenty two point five implied points. Three and a half point dog at home. Um, I guess I'll go first in this one, and I will take um, <laughs> Marquise Brown outscores Greg Dortch. Is that a ten point? <laughs> no, <laughs> so close. Um, Marquise Brown, Millie Maker winning lineup. I will say for him. All right. Yeah, we'll give you that one. I want to go the other direction. I think. This is my flop game. This is the game I think uh, is going to catch a decent amount of ownership. It has a high over under. What What are you seeing it at? Was it is it at forty nine and a half right now? Is that what you uh, got? Forty eight and a half. Forty eight and a half. Can I get ten points if this game goes under forty total points? Yeah, I think that's that would be surprising. I think that's a, a fair one. So yeah, I'll give you that. I I I think I still think the Cardinals are just absolute frauds. Uh, Kyler barely bailed them out last week. They're still not going to have Rondell. They're still not going to have Nuke. Um, I just think they're not, you know, James Conner uh, banged up. I, I just don't see how they move the ball at a good clip in this game. You think all the most probable markets, it looks like, are reflecting the Rams winning outright and being controlled throughout. Uh, plus 0.5 in the first quarter is a 65% chance, plus 0.5 at half, 64% chance. So it seems like a dominant Rams win. Uh, the markets are saying that as well. Green Bay, 20 point. Actually, wait, I didn't take one of this one, did I? Oh, no, I did. Um, Green Bay, 20.5 implied points. Tampa Bay, 21.5 implied points. I will say this one, Pete, uh, game total under 35 is going to be my one. Is that a 10-pointer? What's it at, 41.5? 41 and a half, which is like so low that it doesn't feel like a 10 pointer, but well, you need to do what I did. Cause I came down nine points on the total for my 10 pointer. So you need to come down nine points for yours. Ooh, so 32 point. God, what I ugly... just did it. Like, why would you get, unless you want to boost my points on the other one. Oof. All right. I'll, I'll take yeah, 32.5 points under Oof. good. Have fun with that. Wait, what a miserable game that would be for, cause this is probably the Fox game. Yeah. They would be so mad. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, we're all we're all gonna be very mad. Uh, um, what do you want with this one? What do I want here? Um, I'll take a ten pointer. Scotty Miller, highest scoring pass catcher on the Bucks. Okay, 
Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, at this point, there's not a lot of guys left, but I'll give you the 10 points for that. Last game on the main slate, Atlanta, 20.5 implied points, Seattle, 21.5 implied points. Pete, I will have the bravest take of all Kyle Pitts over 10 fantasy points. No, get out of here. Uh, his projection is 12.7. So that would be, uh, not even a one pointer. So Kassik's got him at 10.3. So not looking good. I'll get, I'll give you a one pointer. If you, if you want to do a one pointer, Kyle Pitts over 10 points, I'll give it to you. I'll take, you know, we, we don't do a lot of one pointers here, but I just want to show some love for Kyle Pitts now that we've written angry letters. Okay. Uh, if we're just gonna just be little pussies on this one, I'll say Drake London scores more points than Kyle Pitts for one point. Okay, fine. I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> it's really what, a, what a way here. to go out with a whimper, not a bag for this segment. Well, Sunday night football, Pete, we're going to pick a showdown captain. The Niners, 23 implied points. The Broncos, uh, a home dog, 21.5 implied points, which is surprising to me. But I will take Cortland Sutton, showdown winning captain. Cortland Sutton, how brave. What is what is his salary for this one? Um, I actually don't look? have that number in front of me. <laughs> just, you're just letting it rip. Well, because, yeah, I didn't pull in the showdown numbers yet, <laughs> so, but I just love Cortland Sutton. I feel like he's like he's going to have like one of those 40, 50 fantasy point days and it just hasn't happened yet. But I think the industry is not as excited about him as I am. So that's why I feel like I just want to go there. All right, I'll go then. Uh, I'll match your alpha wide receiver with an alpha wide receiver and I'll do Debo Samuel uh, winning captain. OK, that works. Actually, let's see. Cortland Sutton is uh, ninety four hundred on the showdown slate. So that what's going to be interesting for that one will be if I think it's pretty unlikely that Judy plays. Um, but if he gets a practice in today, that that one could be interesting. Yeah. And Debo actually 11 four on the Sunday night football slate. So that is a steep price tag for Debo. Pete, of course, you're going to be hopping on to Sirius XM. Now tell people what uh, they can find you doing over the next few days. Yep, uh, Sirius XM, 11 to 1 p.m. with Kendall. Been having a lot of fun with that. And then super excited for my weekly GPP strategy show with JM to win. We kind of recap the week, look at the slate from a macro perspective. And then this year he's been doing these building blocks, kind of like the core pieces that he likes to build around for his single entry and three max lineups. And we end up kind of discussing one of those and, and building a logical lineup around that. Been getting a lot of good feedback on that show. So definitely recommend checking that out at 2 p.m. And then I will be back with the uh, the cram, the Sunday morning cram at, at 10.30 a.m. And I do that for VIP members on the YouTube channel. We go through all the latest kind of ownership projections, build some lineups, really talk through all of the last minute GPP angles. I want to push back this one thing from Deagle. Uh, Pete's big dick energy, just body spags and making everything a 10-pointer. This probably isn't a 10, but I'll give you 10. I think it's just in the name of moving the show along more than anything. No, I think it's my big dick energy. Thank you, Deagle. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate all you guys hanging out here. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Again, go to probablyapp.com. I'll keep shilling this one because we sent out our first email yesterday. Probably some more to come. Maybe even one this weekend, depending how the NFL bets, uh, NFL bets look. But basically breaking down the most probable bets, least probable bets, and then soon most profitable and least profitable bets out there using the top market data out there. We've been working really hard on it. So please go join the wait list at probablyapp.com. Follow at Peter Oversett. Follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. And I'll be back with you guys on Monday. Pete and I will be back next Friday around 10 a.m. So see you guys then. Enjoy your weekends. And I got to pull up the fucking outro. <laughs> it's hard producing this show, Pete. You, know, you forgot that. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys.